What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mighty Tom Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Today, we are declaring the 2023 Season Awards for the Green Bay Packers Team MVP Offense Player of the Year. That whole deal, you get the arrangement. So, uh, before we get to that, though, a couple news and notes. One, about the channel on Wednesday, I do have to bump up the live Q&A just a little bit from our standard 430. It's going to be at 345 this coming Wednesday and Central Time. And, of course... Be on the lookout later this week because there's been some fluctuations with uh, live times lately. And some people have told me that they like earlier better. Some people have told me that they like later better. So I'm going to put out later this week a poll on the channel and let you decide what time works best for Wednesday live Q&As. There's also possibilities we're getting into the offseason that I may add a second day of the week for live Q&A. So let me know what you want. It'll all be on the poll later on in the week. So few updates from the weekend that was one Andrew Mertig of the Packaday podcast and Brian Moffey, who's very much a Packer draftnik out there on Twitter. They both reported separately, kind of, that the defensive coordinator job of the Green Bay Packers has been offered to Christian Parker, the 32 year old defensive backs coach of the Denver Broncos. Now, few things. Neither one of these gentlemen, as reliable as they may be in their past reporting, I know especially Mafia is a fantastic Packers draft guru. I can't say that I've ever seen either one of them really break news before. So that is something to be considered. Now, it's not to discredit them. It's not to say that it's not happening. But since they said this earlier on in the weekend, there's been pretty much radio silence around Green Bay. And there could be a couple reasons for that. Even if the reporting by these two gentlemen is spot on. Like Mertig, I don't know anything about where his source may have came from. Mafi, he acknowledged on Twitter that his source is in Denver. That someone in Denver told him from someone that he knows, I guess, told him that Parker has been offered the job. Now, there's a couple reasons why it may have gone silent since then. One, the Packers didn't actually offer the job. They just acknowledged that he's a leading candidate and are actually waiting to talk with someone from Baltimore who suddenly is available. Or maybe they're still waiting to talk to someone from San Francisco, right? There's still things to play out here from a pool perspective. Or if they have decided on Parker and he is the guy, and then maybe they have offered the job, why would it be silent? Because maybe they're still working out what a contract looks like. Maybe even Parker's got multiple offers that he's working through. Who knows? So we don't know if their reporting is true or not. If it is, could be silent for a couple reasons. If it's not true, maybe they got burned by talking to the wrong people. Who knows? For what it's worth, Jason Wildy from the show Wild and Tosh, he's actually a, a newspaper man in the state of Wisconsin as well. He said on his radio show today that who he talked to in Green Bay said that that's not true, that they have not offered the job to Parker. I don't know. It's not to say anyone's right. It's not to say anyone's wrong. We just don't actually know yet. And there seem to be conflicting reports out there. So stay tuned. Number two, the other thing that I want to talk about is the Senior Bowl does indeed start this week. The annual gathering of collegiate players, coaches, GMs, etc. kicks off in Mobile, Alabama. Now, why is this a big deal for the Packers? Well, one, they don't have a defensive coordinator yet. And yes, that absolutely affects players that they may be looking at or not looking at. Maybe not at this juncture, but certainly later on in the draft process. But then two, the Packers love the senior bowl. Last year, there were several individuals who the Packers wound up drafting that participated in the senior bowl, especially over the last two years. Romeo Dobbs comes to mind, Luke Musgrave, amongst others. 
This is absolutely a time that Brian Goodenkins goes down there and tries to see things that other people don't. So uh, Senior Bowl starting this week is a very big deal for the purposes of the Packers draft. All right, so without anything else, let's just jump right in and let's do our 2023 season awards. And let's go with number one. Who was the MVP of the Green Bay Packers this year? I mean, it's Jordan Love, right? Like, is there truly another answer? And out of this world second half of the season that just happened to correspond with the team ascending to new heights and inspiring hope for the future, let's not forget that as well. Jordan Love was absolutely the MVP this year. If he can take the second half of the year and stretch it out over an entire season, it is not an exaggeration to say that an NFL MVP could very well be in his future. That's not a homer take. It's not an exaggeration. Look at the numbers. Do that over a whole year? Yeah, it's totally possible. Of course, it's easier said than done. But still, Jordan Love not only is the guy for today, he's the guy for the future. He will be your quarterback of the future for a long time once that contract extension gets done in mid-May. He's the team MVP, no doubt about it. All right, so now for the next guy, I actually lumped two awards together. And it is kind of odd that you'd see this pairing together, but yet it makes total sense for the Packers. Offensive Player of the Year and Offensive Rookie of the Year goes to wide receiver, do-it-all guy, gadget, whatever you want to call him, Jaden Reed. You want offense? Find yourself a man who will do it all. Jaden Reed played in 16 games this year, finished with 64 catches, 793 yards, and eight touchdowns as a receiver. As a rusher, he finished with 119 yards and two touchdowns. Then he also chipped in 12 punt returns for an additional 94 yards and an over seven yard per return average. My friends at Wisco Fanatics used to say in training camp that all he knows how to do is score touchdowns. Turns out, as we got into the season, he knows how to do a lot more than that. I cannot wait to see what the future holds for Jaden Reed. Next, let's take a look at Defensive Player of the Year, Preston Smith. Very quietly, Preston Smith had quite possibly the best and most complete year in Green Bay that he's had. Maybe it wasn't the most dazzling, but in terms of a complete picture, it absolutely was. He's still one of the vet leaders on this young defense, and per PFF's tracking, Smith ended the year with nine sacks, 45 pressures, a career-high 32 stops, a 12.2% missed tackle rate, which is half of the missed tackle rate of last year. People also like to joke about how Preston Smith might as well be the best corner on the team since that's how Joe Barry employed him. Well, you may not be wrong because his coverage percentage in terms of like completion percentage, it actually dropped by about 30% this year on a similar number of coverage snaps. I can tell you, the dude improved this year. Beyond that, though, really, like he is still one of the best run defenders on a bad run defending team. In terms of the edge players, he probably is still the best edge at setting an edge. Preston Smith is so steady, so reliable. And yeah, he's getting older and you can see it's getting a touch slower. But he was there week in and week out producing which couldn't be said for a lot of other individuals on this defense. They were absolutely contributors. But if you're looking for steadiness, consistency, and a guy who quite possibly had the best year in his five-year tenure, you're probably looking at Preston Smith. By the way, we haven't gotten to this conversation yet in the offseason, but yeah, he's back next year. That's my take on it. Let's move on another uh, another defensive award. Let's go with Defensive Rookie of the Year. Remember, Jaden Reed was Offensive Rookie of the Year, so let's look at the defensive side of the ball, Defensive Rookie of the Year. 
Carrington Valentine, like, look, this could totally go to Luke Van Ness. It also, like, there's definitely an argument to be made that it could go to Carl Brooks, too. But I really wanted to go with Valentine because he seemingly does stand above the rest as an immediate impact performer. Valentine appeared in 15 games this year, played in 694 snaps, and allowed only a quarterback rating of 84 while being thrown. And he got increasingly more playing time throughout the year. Think about when the year started. Everyone was kind of ogling over Carrington Valentine in, in training camp because he looked like this playmaker to be, right? But it was, it was on the backside of things. We had Stokes coming back, had Jair, had Razul, like... Valentine is this neat little spark plug that you could play when, when things go wrong or like maybe in special packaging. Well, then stuff went wrong. Rasul got traded. Stokes got hurt again. Jair got hurt for so, so much time. And all of a sudden, Carrington Valentine for multiple weeks found himself somehow as a seventh round rookie as cornerback one on a team that would eventually make the playoffs. Should he have been put in that position? No, probably not. But in reality, he still was and he performed far better than you'd expect some seventh round rookie to do one really awesome stat that i was happy to see for valentine when i really dug into the numbers was on passing plays like all passing plays throughout the year valentine got the third most tackles on the team with 32 he did so while having a missed tackle rate of only 5.4 percent the best among corners in that higher tackle category on the packers he also got six stops keep in mind a stop is a tackle that ceases a play realistically before it should be ceased the packers do need more corners next year i think we can identify as we're talking about draftees the corners probably fairly high up there but valentine is absolutely a part of the future in Green Bay at that position. He deserves the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Next, let's go with Most Improved Player, except the non-Jordan Love Most Improved Player, because I think we could just, like, we could talk about Love forever, but, like, let's go with a player who's non-Jordan Love Most Improved, and I gotta go with tight end Tucker Craft. It's odd to give this award to a rookie, right? Because normally it's, like, year over year Most Improved, and I think you've got guys that you could talk about for that. Like, let's... Bo Melton comes to mind. And there's others too. Rasheed Walker, certainly. Uh, Quay Walker, certainly in some areas. Definitely TJ Slayton. Like there are multiple guys here. But even Matt LaFleur has talked about how Tucker Craft just seemingly got better and better as the year went on. And I noticed that it especially occurred when Luke Musgrave went down with his lacerated kidney and all of a sudden Tucker Craft had to become the guy at the tight end position and he really did it. He didn't need to be a Robin to someone else's Batman anymore. He just became a competent tight end all on his own. And if you don't believe me, go check out like the PFF grades in the beginning part of the season. You see a whole bunch of like red, maroon. Those are bad. Latter part of the season, it's a whole bunch of green with some yellow mixed in. That's exactly what you want to see from a rookie. But the level at which the ascension occurred, that's uncharacteristic, and he probably is the most improved player on the team from the start of the season to the close of the season. Truly, I cannot tell you enough how earlier in the year there were times, especially in blocking, where Tucker Craft just looked lost. There's one video in particular from a game where Tucker Craft just like did this flying ballerina move to make a block. You didn't see that late in the year. This is a guy who figured his job out. And he did so really, really well. Really great improvement from a young player. 
Next, let's go with the Unsung Player of the Year Award. And there are, again, a few candidates to go with this, but let's go with wide receiver Romeo Dobbs. And it's kind of like there are guys that you could give this award to, but there's only so many guys who played so much this year because many of the explosive performers on the team missed several games. Aaron Jones, like the list goes on. It was a pretty injury-heavy year, I think we can all agree. But Dobbs was the constant. And while being the constant because he didn't have breakout game after breakout game, he kind of became the forgotten man. Everyone was talking about, even if everyone was healthy, the excitement of having the future of Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, Dontavian Wicks. Oh, and then that Dobbs guy too. But the reality is Dobbs was there all along. No, he did not break out really until the end of the year, but he still was catching touchdowns even on three catch weeks. And a missed win, you know, there was so much less talent or performances around him. And the thing was, he ended the year 674 yards, eight touchdowns. Then in two playoff games, when everyone was actually back, Dobbs, the one that no one expected to explode, did to the tune of 234 yards and one touchdown in the two Packer playoff games. When everyone's looking at the bright weapons of the future, Musgrave, Kraft, Watson, Reed, don't forget about Romeo Dobbs because there's, there's still something there, no doubt about it. Next, the Silent Performer Award goes to Zach Tom. See, I'm not going to lie. I actually had to make up an award just to give Zach Tom something, okay? Because he deserves more acknowledgement than he's gotten. He doesn't get Pro Bowl acknowledgement. He doesn't get all-pro acknowledgement as a second-year player. But yet, league-wide, he was PFF's seventh-best rated tackle on the season. And the reason why I called it the silent performer word is because, look, the dude's in his second year. Recall back to Zach Tom's rookie year. He was great for a rookie. Could fill in at multiple positions. And entering this year, we were like, well, maybe he could dethrone Myers at center. Oh, no, they're going to put him at right guard or right tackle? Okay. That's maybe there'll be some growing pains, but like we think he can do it. We should at least be okay there. Like he seems like a rock steady performer, no matter what happens. He's highly versatile. He's a smart dude. Like, and then he went out there this year and played well enough one to be top 10, but then two to probably be at least the right tackle for like, you could plug him in there for what looks like the next decade and not even really question it. He was that sturdy at right tackle his worst games of the year happened to come when he was battling injuries other than that he was about as rock solid as can be on the offensive line somehow the packers did it again they found another mid-round tackle who looks like a oh, plug him in play him for a decade this isn't hard for us really cool stuff and then the last one that i'm going to talk about and i'm going to go comeback player of the year aaron jones I know generally comeback player of the year, just like most improved is for like compared to last year, this guy got better this year. I, I get it. But the thing is, Aaron Jones's comeback this year was paired with Jordan Love's play. The thing that got him into the playoffs. Think back to week one. He was a standout performer against Chicago. And then the injuries began. And signs of decline were present. There were conversations mid-year about his father time caught up. Uh-oh. Turns out it didn't. 
because when we got to the end of the season, Aaron Jones was there, steady and reliable, churning out over 100-yard performances in four straight games. And the thing is, he is still the engine of the offense, and he's also the unquestioned leader of the locker room. Like, because it's not, it looked like just looking at his football performance again, it's not just the fact that he was churning out yards because yes, the offensive line play was better than it was earlier in the year, but it's how he was doing so. Actually breaking tackles, continuing to be one of the most elusive runners with the football in his hands in all of the NFL, despite the advancing age, despite the number of injuries this year. It was really an impressive year for Aaron Jones to the point now where I think the vast majority of fans out there are going, well, he's got a high cap number, but we can't get rid of him, right? Like, they'll figure it out, right? Because if they don't, what, what do we do? He's the engine of the offense. He's the leader of the team. And when he did come back, he played at a level higher than almost anyone in the NFL at his position. If that's not a comeback, I don't know what is. There you have it. Those are the awards for the 2023 season. And with that, we're going to close the door officially on this year. Coming up soon, we're talking draft. We're talking what Packer free agents. This will probably be later this week, assuming like no DC hire or anything like that. But what Packer free agents should be kept? Which ones should maybe be allowed to test the market? And which ones maybe should just go? But we're looking towards the future. Now, thanks so much for joining me here on Lombardi Time Brews. I do hope you had a fantastic weekend. Remember, on Wednesday, live Q&A, but a slightly earlier time, 345 Central, and then be on the lookout for the poll later this week that gets your opinion on when you want to see those live Q&A happen over the offseason. Thanks so much, everybody. Hope you're having a great weekend. And as always, go Pack Go.